This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. Hi, everybody. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is with former Iowa State assistant coach Jim Hallahan. Monday, December 19th, will mark the 29th anniversary of one of the most amazing performances in Cyclone basketball history. LaFesta Rhodes scoring 54 points to lead the 20th-ranked Cyclones to a 102-100 victory over number 7 Iowa. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Jim Hallahan. Well, Jim, you were uh, a big part of that night uh, in 1987, such a memorable night with LaFester having such a tremendous game and really just a great college basketball game between Iowa State and Iowa, and both teams were really good. Just tell me, first of all, going into that game, what your thoughts were about that matchup. Well, you, you actually have to go back a little bit and because if you remember, LaFester Rose did not play hardly any minutes the year before. And right. uh, every time he got in, he'd shoot a bunch of shots up and come back out. But that summer, we told him, well, Fester, you're going to be our center at 6'7", 185 pounds. So you practice this summer in the center position. We know you can shoot and get down there and rebound and make some shots and block some shots. So he did that. He came back in the fall and put him in the starting lineup and still didn't know how he would do. And I think we opened up with Arizona in the preseason NIT. And holy cow, he scored over 20 points and had a bunch of rebounds and thought, man, this guy, is he for real? Well, you know, it continued on. I think we got third in the in the uh, preseason NIT. And then, of course, Iowa, which is always such a big game, and maybe even more so back then because kids didn't transfer. They didn't leave early. You, you knew who their players were year after year, and, and it would just happen to be a year where both teams had great players. I mean, NBA-type players that went on and played professionally. But we would start practicing in early October, and we would drill things that we were going to see against Iowa as part of our practice. We didn't say we were practicing for Iowa, but we played against the press every day. We played against the flex offense every day. And so when it came to time to play the game, we only had a day or two to repair, but we had been preparing since the beginning of the season. So when that game came up, I mean, the excitement was unbelievable. And if you remember, when they did the introductions, and I'm just sitting, you know, right there on the floor, we could not hear the introductions. Not a single name could you hear. And I don't think it's ever been that way. It was so loud. And so the game starts, and it's up and down. We're pressing. They're pressing. And, and LaFester's guarding Ed Horton. And Ed Horton is 6'8", 230. And LaFester's 6, I'm going to say 6'8", 180. And, and Horton starts out with gets 12 points in about the first eight minutes. And LaFester has about eight points. And I look over to Coach Horton. I said, man, I don't think LaFester can guard this guy. Maybe we need, need to change it up a little bit. So well, let's just give it a ride and see how it goes. Well, ultimately, uh, Ed Horton had 18 points and LaFester had 54 points. So the old master, John Hoover, kind of said, let's just, let's just go a little bit longer. Well, of course, then the game was – and the other thing, in the crowd, because both team press, something happened every six or eight seconds. So it wasn't like you take it out of bounds, you walk it up the floor, and then people get excited. Because, no, it, it never quieted. The whole game, no one sat down the whole game. 14,000 people stood the whole game. And it was back and forth. And LaFester, when you looked at his final stats, the 54 points, he had 13 rebounds. He had five blocked shots. He had a couple four-pointers where he actually got fouled on a three-point shot and made the free throw. And then near the end of the game, he, he made a big basket at the other end, comes running down, slapping everybody high five and runs back to the freezer line, takes a breath and knocks it in. And it was just phenomenal. So when it got to overtime, LaFester had not been out the whole game, and he went in and scooped a little right-handed layup, and he missed it. I said, Coach, oh, we got to get him out and give him a little rest. He's tired. And 
the wisdom of Coach Orr, he looks up at the scoreboard, which at that time was hard to find the score. If you remember the scoreboard, they didn't really have the score on it. And you looked mm-hmm. up, well, he's got 50 points. Let's just leave him in until he dies. So <laughs> we didn't take him out. And then, of course, he got the last rebound of the game, and it was a vicious rebound. He got thrown to the floor, and fortunately, they they called a foul, which had not gone our way very often. If you look at the free throws that game, you wonder why it was so close when the guy got 54 points. Well, we had Big Ten officials that game, and they shot a ton more free throws, and you'd have to check the record book because I don't have it in front of me, but they shot a lot of free throws. So we were just happy that LaFester didn't get called for traveling or something when he got knocked to the floor. And, you know, we end up winning the game. And, of course, and then it even got louder. And LaFester's, you know, he's over there. The players are celebrating. The coaches are coming towards each other. And everything was fine. Tom Davis shook Coach Orr's hand. And I'm right behind Coach Orr. And all of a sudden, very close. I, I couldn't tell what he said, but he had a bad look on his face and said something that didn't seem to fit into the occasion necessarily. And then Coach Orr growled back at him. And, again, I don't know what he said either, and they kind of went at each other. And then flying out of left field, here comes Rick Wesley, and he just jumps in between them and gets in Gary Close's face. And then that was pretty much the end of it. There were no fisticuffs, no blows thrown or anything like that. So that was a weird ending. And then we look over and see LaFester, and he's leaning over the Iowa bench talking to Jesse Jackson, who's running for president. (laughs) And you couldn't see what they were saying, but he hit Jesse Jackson kept shaking his head like, I, 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 what do you say? What do you say? Well, LaFester invited him to come to the locker room. Of course, he had tickets from Iowa, I guess, so he didn't come to the locker room. But just all those things that happened, were it would be hard to ever recreate that. And then the 54 points in a two-point game. There might somebody get 60 points sometime, but it won't be in a game like that that was so meaningful and was so close. So it is definitely one 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 for history. Yeah, you touched on a few things that I want to I want to track back a little bit on. Number one, you're exactly right. I mean, well, Fester is a guy that was averaging two points a game for his career, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden his senior year he averages 22 a game. Have you ever seen a player take a leap like that after three years of just kind of trying to find his way, and then all of a sudden his senior year just takes such a leap? Never. I've never seen that. And obviously he was very talented. Of course, if you I don't know if you knew this, but in high school – he was a state champion in the 880 run or 800-meter run, and so he could run like a deer. But when he came to Iowa State, Barry Stevens was his idol, and so he wanted to be a three-man and shoot the ball from outside like Barry did. Well, we didn't need that at that time. We had Barry, and we had Virgil, and we had other good players. So he just didn't adjust, or we didn't do a good enough job convincing him to play a different way until his senior year. Now, think about this. If that would have happened today, he'd have been gone after that one year of sitting on the bench. He had transferred. Mm-hmm. A player today with his mm-hmm. ability would say, well, I'm going to go someplace where I can play right now. But those were the days that you stuck it out and you worked your way up and you played hard. And and then, you know, his senior year, he was just – it was just a joy to coach him and to see him rebound the ball and block shots and just – he'd get a lot of points after the other team scored and we threw it in and he ran down the floor and beat everybody down the floor and caught it. And I can see him dunking and going out of bounds because he was going so fast. Because mm-hmm. he could run so well. And boy, people did not like to try to, they didn't try to guard him. It was very, very difficult to guard him. And we had a, we had a very good year, went to the NCAA. Gary Tompkins, I think, got sick that year with Mono and that really hurt us. But, uh, LaFester, that's, that's a book. I mean, you could write a book on a game, you could write a book on his senior year. It was just a phenomenal 
and he just kept doing it. And he just, the only thing that happened with that game, though, when he scored so many points, Jeff Greer was our leading scorer. And Jeff Greer mm-hmm. was our captain. He was our leader. All of a sudden, you're thinking, well, who's our best player? <laughs> you know, should we be going to LaFester? I mean, and yet that caused a little bit of – we kind of struggled with that for a game or so. In fact, the very next game against Eastern Illinois, they had us down about six points with a minute and two to go. And fortunately, we had big eight rests for that game. And a few <laughs> fouls were called, and we ended up pulling out. That was right after the Iowa game. We just were unsettled. We were just unsettled. You know, but you mentioned it earlier, Jim. There was so much talent on the floor that night. And the pace of the game, you were just talking about how LaFester could run all day. That really suited him well in that game because I think there could have been a 12-second shot clock, and it wouldn't have come close to expiring that. Right. Well, you know, we pressed, and we pressed with a 2-2-1 press. And normally you kind of put your two and three men up front, and then your one and four man at midcourt and your five man back. Well, LaFester was so good at running and stealing the ball and stuff, we put him on the front line of the press, on the front of the 2-2-1, two, two, and lots of times he, he got steals and layups, and he had those long arms, and he would intercept that ball. So we pressed 2-2-1 two, two, the whole game, and I would press 1-2-1-1 one, one, one the whole game. It was just an unbelievable game. and It had to end. And it was too bad for Iowa they lost, but it was great for Iowa State that we won. And how many times have you seen a game since then that that many NBA prospects, you know, are, are playing in that game? In fact, that year in 88, there were five players chosen in the first round of the Big Eight. And Jeff Greer was a 13th player picked in the first round. You know, it was Mitch Richmond. There was five guys, Danny Manning. Uh, it was just an unbelievable year for the Big Eight and a great year for basketball. And you hear still hear people talking about, those years um, were just so special. Do you still have fans say to you, I, I remember that night, remember being there? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I think sometimes people say, you're not old enough. But, you know, they've heard it so much and they were young kids or whatever that they feel like they were there. You know, when you go back and you watch the highlights of that game, it's easy to forget how unorthodox Will Fester's shot looked. And, and yet it just kept going in, but it was a swing shot, you know, from behind the ear. And he, man, he, he just kept knocking down and long, long shots. I mean, long shots. We would, we sometimes we'd play a one, four flat offense against the zone so that we really stretch the zone out. We take it corner to corner and that's the hardest thing for a zone to cover. Well, the fester, he would catch that ball. And as he went to shoot it, you couldn't tell if he was throwing it cross court to the other corner. Or if he was shooting it. I mean, it looked as it was a kind of a two-handed heave. I mean, it was one-handed at the end, but, it, you know, it just looked like a pass, so they never knew what he was going to do. And, of course, he had a bunch of tip-ins, offensive rebounds. You know, it was just – I got to thinking, he scored 54 points. I think my senior in – my junior senior in college, I might have scored 54 points for the year. <laughs> he did it in one game. I think he only had 74 or something the year before. <laughs> so Right. That might have that. been his career. It might have seventy four might have been his career, but it it just gives you a, a, a look into Lefester, what kind of person he was. That he wasn't a kid who would give up. He wasn't a kid that would quit, and he had this burning desire to be great. And it took a long time for maybe us to see it or him to listen to what we want him to do or whatever. But he did it, and I I don't know that you see that that often anymore. Like I said, kids give up. They transfer that go someplace else in those days you you hunkered in there and 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 stayed in there of course we had great teams and there weren't very many kids that transferred from iowa state when i was there the only ones that left were guys that weren't good enough to play and it was probably good a couple of them did go to 
another school. But it wasn't like there was transfers all over the place or you were running kids off. When we offered a kid a scholarship, he knew he could be there for four years if he wanted to be. If he changed his mind, fine. But I don't ever remember LaFester. And, of course, you had guys like Barry Stevens, who he looked up to, and Barry wouldn't let him leave anyway. The team wouldn't let him leave. We had a very close group of guys. But he stayed, and I think for the rest of his life, you know, it would be the greatest decision he ever made. Well, that that game never would have been possible, the whole environment, without what Johnny created at Iowa State and the style of play and, and just the fun up-and-down system that he had. It was such a great fit for LaFester that year. And uh, I, I just think about that game just kind of capsulized what the Johnny Orr era was all about, just fans that walked away with the memory of a lifetime out of the arena that night. You know, and I people – when I first came to Iowa State, I'd been at East Tennessee State for four years, and maybe we had two really good wins in you know in four years or whatever. And I came to Iowa State, and we'd have an unbelievable win, an unbelievable comeback, like against Minnesota being six down with 18 seconds to go and win. And it just kept happening over and over and over again. Our whole the whole time I was there, we had we had games like that. And I think the way Coach Orr played, the style of play, the, the way guys played for him. He was so mm-hmm. positive, and he was – even when he got mad, it wasn't personal. Um, in fact, a few times I'd say, Coach, we've got to run these guys now. They didn't play well. If he started running, well, then he wouldn't stop. i say, Coach, that's enough. Okay, that's enough, Coach. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go again. <laughs> and he didn't do that very often. Normally, if we had a tough night, we'd come in the next day and – and I'd be after him, and he'd say, all right, let's choose up and play 21 for candy bars. And that's how we'd start out practice the next day because it was a new day, and he wanted the guys to be fired up about playing basketball. And he didn't do all those three- and four-hour practices that they, a lot of coaches do now. When we got to January 15th, we were in the Big A. We would practice no more than an hour a day. Now, it never stopped, and if you remember coming by fast, up and down, up and down. But it was 45 minutes, and we're out of there. And that's why I think our guys always – played so hard and had very few poor performance effort-wise. We might have not made baskets and missed shots, but he just had that philosophy, hey, save it for the games. They're in good shape. We don't want to wear them out. And so he had a different philosophy than coaches do today, and the kids love that, and they love playing for him. I could sit here and talk to you for four hours about an Oklahoma game or a Kansas game. or it, There were so many. You're exactly right. There were so many games that were that were like that that – that fans just, you know, if a little kid was there and that was the first college basketball game he'd ever gone to, he would absolutely never forget that night. But can you imagine, you know, being a little kid, being at this game with LaFester, <laughs> you know? Whoa. I mean, could, could, anything top, could anything top that night with two top 20 teams and the show that was put on at Hilton Coliseum that night? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. And I'm a little prejudiced, of course, because I coached in that era and I – as part of it, but and yet I've seen some great games. I remember when um, when Marcus Pfizer was here and they had a great win, I think against Oklahoma State, and Fred had some great wins, and Larry and Tim had some great wins. But the difference is the style of play created the atmosphere of excitement. When you're pressing and running a fast break, there's not more than five or six seconds that something's not happening, and so that constant you know, cheering and screaming. And, of course, when the other team plays that way, too, it's hard to get two teams to play that way, and it's hard to get two teams to press, which you don't see that at all anymore. Well, it sure was fun reminiscing a little bit about it, and I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, that's that's a night I know you'll never forget. I, it's a night I'll never forget, and I think a lot of Cyclone fans would fall into that category. 
Yeah, it was great, and I appreciate you calling and hope people enjoy watching the game again.